0: The Women of Ill Repute with your hosts Wendy Mesley and Maureen Holloway. Hey, Maureen. So uh, let's talk about
1: fashion. You you like fashion?
2: Yeah, you do too. We have, we like fashion. We don't not like fashion.
1: Well, no, I like. I actually like fashion a lot. I I I wear a lot of jeans
2: in the county, but uh, but yeah. There was a time for years and years where you had a clothing allowance when you worked for the corporation. Oh, that's supposed to be a secret—a
1: top, top, top secret. I mean, all anchors—well, most anchors probably get a clothing allowance, but but now I have no real excuse to dress up anymore. So there's a, there's there's all this stuff. So
2: yeah, yeah, you still like the idea and fashion. I love it, but I'm also where it's a political thing. It can enslave people, especially women. If unless you're if you're not a certain size or or age, it's not easy. It's not available to everyone.
1: Particularly these days with fast fashion and everyone's got these huge walk-in closets and it's well people who can afford them it's it's ridiculous it's an environmental issue as well a lot of clothing ends up in landfills
2: not to mention it can be uh, cruel you look at fur and feathers and now there's a whole movement against any like vegan clothing no you know no no wool. I have to deal with the wool
1: <laughs> issue. I'm trying to think of what my sweater is today. I think it's made out of plastic, but uh, we're going to be talking to Hillary McMillan. She's our guest today, and she's sensitive to, to all of this. But wool, is wool an issue?
2: Yes, wool's an issue because you've got to scrape it off a sheep. Yes, yeah, since 2016, this is what I know about sheep sharing. Uh, since 2016, Hillary McMillan designs have been cruelty-free, no fur, no feathers, no wool, no silk, and inclusive in terms of size, ranging from extra small to quadruple extra large. She's done all
1: kinds of things. She even launched a collection with Barbie, which I know we're on different sides of the fence on Barbie, but we can talk about that. But she launched this collection of jackets and totes with slogans saying, Equal pay, don't tell me to smile, all kinds of sort of feminista stuff.
2: Can fashion be feminist? Can it be cruelty-free? Can it be inclusive and reasonably priced? Most importantly, Still look good. Hillary are Melvin. <laughs> Hi, Hillary. So, Hillary, can you be all things
0: to all people? I don't think you can be all things to all people, but we're trying our best over here to do all the things that our brand hopes to achieve.
1: So tell us about that I mean you're vegan you're cruelty free you're environmental you're a feminist you're everything but what what does it mean for
0: you like what, what d- describe your line to us so those are like a bunch of really buzzy words um, at the at really at the root of it we're trying to make contemporary women's clothing that makes women feel good in, in their outfits for larger size range that's kind of the brand ethos of what we are and then you know different, within different categories of that we are a vegan company and yeah so it really we're just trying to make like Exciting clothing for more women and more sizes.
2: Was it a personal revelation for you or a sort of epiphany, come to Jesus moment where you said, You know what? That cow is so adorable. I can't imagine killing it, and wearing its skin on my feet.
0: So I grew up mostly in a vegetarian household. So I haven't eaten a lot of meat or really been exposed to a lot of meat. My family isn't vegetarian anymore, but that's how I brought up. So I've been vegetarian for a really long time since I was in about grade 10. And then I've on and off gone vegan um, here and there. I've done stits of like five years. And when I first started the brand, you know, being in Canada, we're all about outerwear. We're all about like furline hoods, And so when I first started, I was very much using leather and fur, especially in like accessories or in like little pieces on the clothing. And I was cutting skins and cutting up fur and going to these places and buying these pelts and stuff and I just didn't think that it like sit well with me it also didn't make sense for my brand is very much a personal reflection of who I am you know it has my name it it is you know so put up I mean I'm such the face of it that it just didn't it didn't resonate with me and so uh, we transitioned over into being a vegan uh, brand it took took years because you know you have to find wool substitutes you have to find substitutes for leather back in 2016 is when we launched it but we started developing it like 2015-2014 and there wasn't so many good options like the vegan leather space has gotten way bigger now and there's um alternatives like they're going into you know plant-based leathers as well but back then it was sparse and faux fur was awful like it was plasticy i don't know if you guys remember it was just not a very good like tactile fabric and so w- took some time and you know finding silk alternatives for blouses and all these things and there are some great options and some great you know natural fibers to use and some great things that you can use as substitute for animal products it's definitely one of our brand ethos but it's no we don't find that people are coming to us necessarily because we're vegan it's kind of like an add on but it's more like we make high quality things with high quality fabrications, and so you know it's a it's a perk that we're vegan now. I think
1: I want to talk about the the plus sizes part of it in in a second, but but the vegan thing I find really interesting because I think there are more and more people who are becoming you know vegetarians or vegans or or whatever. But I just wonder, like, will we look back? Because I I still eat a little bit of meat and I still wear leather shoes and I still wear wool sweaters, which I think I confessed to earlier. But like, will we look back? Like, I'm so curious about, like, I look at the cows and I think they're just stupid. So we're allowed to eat them. But is that stupid? Like, like, will we all look back on this someday and go, what on earth were we thinking that we could actually kill an
0: animal and eat it? (laughs) I mean, I have no judgment. I think everyone's life is their life and people choose to do what they want to do. Obviously, my personal life is the way I live it. I think that kind of what you're talking about is like speciesism. So like this is a huge kind of conversation in the space is that like as human beings, we feel like we have the right to, to kill animals or that like they're subservient to us or that like they're put on the earth for us to eat. And I think if you kind of switch your mindset about how you think about animals and how you think about, you know, farm animals specifically, like we obviously have a... You know, we prioritize certain animals over others. Like, you wouldn't consider eating a dog or a cat because that's usually a domestic animal that you value. Whereas, like, a, a you know, a cow or a pig is kind of seen lesser than, or is on this put on this earth for your clothing or your food. So, I think it's just the way we look at things, or the way that we feel that we have like ownership over certain animals and their lives.
2: There are entire economies, of course, based on that. Particularly, I think of wool. And there's a you know an argument that you're not killing the animal, you're they're sustainable, and that you're shearing them. Same thing with llamas and alpaca and so on, and that there really is no substitute for you know in terms of warmth and than wool. And there's also the argument that, and I had this discussion with my my husband when we were in Scotland, and the cows there are so cute. So what if if our cows were that were that cute, we wouldn't need them, which is ridiculous, but. Uh, his argument, and I thought it was a good one, is that if we don't keep cows and sheep, then they'll just, they they will become extinct. So there's that argument that they only exist because we allow them to and use them. So I just thought I'd put that out there.
0: Are your shoes vegan leather? Yeah. So I don't buy any leather products myself either. Um, I have stuff from when I wasn't vegan and we weren't a vegan brand that I don't believe in like throwing out. So I have stuff in my closet, but I, as of like, 2016, I don't purchase anything um, that has animal byproducts products in it. In terms of like the wool conversation, I have no problem with wool in terms of like you're shearing a sheep, you're using their wool, they need to be sheared. It's more like the mass production of it, right? So it's the same with like, if you're going to hunt your own animals and kill them, that's a very different system than like factory farming and animal husbandry. Like, you know, there's, there's ways that we go about it that are inherently cruel. Like when you start doing it on a larger scale, And so there's like, you know, shearing mass amount of sheets and they do them poorly and they get infections and all this stuff. And so that's kind of where I think the wool conversation, people are like, well, it's, you know, you need to share them. And I agree, you do. But it's like when we start to do it inhumanely, I think is kind of the issue.
1: Yeah. So I'm trying to imagine the, the, we're speaking of. Fast fashion. What am I going to do with? uh, I'm not going to get rid of my sweaters because they were all nicely sheared. I hope. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe not. (laughs) But what am I supposed to do with all of my? uh, Like, I have a couple of. Like, I stopped wearing fur and feathers a long time ago. I might have one coat that's got a fur collar on it. Um. But but what am I going to do with all the leather? What am I going to do with? I don't know. Like, because it's fast fashion. Does does everybody just move away from it eventually? Is that is that what you're hoping? Because we all want to change the world.
0: <laughs> well, I think anything you own, you should keep. Like, you don't want to contribute to more landfill just because you choose not to wear leather anymore. Like, if you have it, you should use it. Like, we try to get the most of our clothing. That's kind of like, you know, what we should be buying to try to get the most and most wears out of our pieces. I don't i I personally would love it if we could move away from leather. I don't think it's a reality. The amount of you know people that eat meat and the amount of leather products that we produce like i I'm not naive in the fact that I think that this is like going to be a global revolution. We're no longer gonna eat meat. I just think it's like maybe like meatless Monday or like you know reducing your intake of meat, I think. Buying from local farms, local places near, near where you live, sourcing your meat, trying to figure out where it's coming from. I, I just think we can make these small changes to, and that's in every industry and in every, across every sphere, of course, that making these small things to kind of make it slightly better.
2: Let's move on to the, being size inclusive. Now, this is something that would have been unheard of, say, 25 years ago, although there has been uh, a movement towards, towards that across the board. The, for example, I remember reading, and I correct me if I'm wrong. You would know this, Hillary, but so the average-sized woman in the United States, if, which is where all these stats seem to come from, is sh- shorter and bigger than the fashion industry would ever, ever uh, admit. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like five foot four and one hundred and sixty pounds. Or is the average the average? And clothes are just not being made pretty beautiful clothes were just not being made for that woman, which seemed crazy because that's your consumer. So that was that part of your, 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 your decision to, because you say, you are known for plus, but you're not just plus, but you are a plus size uh, designer.
0: Yeah. So we are extra small to four X. So we do kind of all like a wide range of sizes. That's like from a size two to a size 28. It's kind of where the numerical sizes sit for alphabetical sizes. I think, fashion long time has like intentionally been its exclusionary just so that it, like I have to get this or it's the hottest thing ever I think that's kind of like where it's been for years and years and years it's like not everyone can access it and that's kind of been it's like a vibe in a sense I think people are kind of like with social media and more voices and people being interested in fashion and plus size influencers and all those things coming out I think it's People are looking for stylish clothing and they want it across a wide range of sizes. And we saw a huge kind of push for it right before the pandemic and especially in the pandemic. And um, we were like lucky that we were able to kind of be able to offer those pieces to, to women of up to 4X if they want to.
1: I almost find it, this is going to sound very conspiratorial, but when I was in high school, I was like a size 10. And then I'm basically the same size as I was more pieces may not line up exactly the same way, but uh, I'm basically the same, but I'm not a 10 anymore. And yet I'm really a 10. It's ridiculous. I'm still a 10 in England. So I like, do they just like downscale is, is 28 really like a 12? Like did they, did, did the big they, did they, did they change the sizes?
2: Marilyn Monroe would be a size 16.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. Is this just my conspiracy? <laughs>
0: so Marilyn Monroe definitely was not a size 16. I think she was like a UK size 16, which is two sizes down from our size. I don't think that but people say that it's just so misleading. Um, the problem I think with the fashion industry, there's no standardization of sizing. So If your brand wants to make a size 10 that fits like a size six, that's your prerogative. And you can call it a size 10. Um, If you want to make a size 28 that fits like a size 12, you can do that. So, you know, people even have like just size one, two, three, four. Like there is no standardization at all across the industry. And I don't think there ever will be. But yeah, it's just like vanity sizing or like making, you know, certain things certain ways. Yeah, no. I feel much better when I buy something that's a smaller size, even if I know <laughs> that
2: I'm a certain weight. I am two dresses. One's is a ten, one's an eight, and they both fit me. They say, "Well, buy the 8 Instead, <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing an eight or a six or a four. So I know that's the way we've been raised. We're we are we've been raised as a sizeist. Like anybody who tells me they're a size zero, I just want to barf because that means so you don't exist. Basically, zero. <laughs> you're nothing. Well, now we have you're five double zero.
1: I'm an X, X zero, zero. No, I I just, I I wonder though, because it was many, many years ago, decades ago that a a friend of mine who was working for an ad agency did the the Dove commercials, which was you're beautiful. Like women are all beautiful, even if you're imperfect. And yet you look at the women most, not in your campaign, but in most of the women walking down the runways and fashion week or whatever, they're all tall and skinny and like it, it, (laughs)
0: has nothing changed except for you i think it's getting there like i think that people are starting to like wake up to it and like realizing that like there are dollars there that everything's kind of money right like at the end of the day and i think people are starting to realize there are dollars in you know having plus size fashion and stuff but it's a slow fashion slow we work so far out like we work a year out even to do change doesn't happen quickly There's also a lot of people kind of at the helm of this too that are like living in this archaic world that, you know, thinks that it should be a certain way and doesn't want to adapt. It's getting better. I I think the big conversation right now is like, even these large brands that do do plus sizing, don't ever put it in their stores. So they might be like, we want to have up to a 4X or 5X whatever, but we won't, you have to like buy it online. So there's like a barrier to entry there too. So there's all these like nuances of the conversation as well that like the access to it is really still quite bad. Wow. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So they have the
2: sizes, but they're not putting them on display.
0: Yeah. So everyone has to like buy online and there's like an added cost. Of course, they can't just like go into a store and try it on. They have to like pay for the shipping. It doesn't work. Pay for the return shipping. So, yeah.
2: It's a lot, It's also the way a lot of, uh, of, I don't even know what the correct term is, but, you know, cross-dressers. Who, you buy your clothes online now. I remember I used to work in a dress shop this is way back in the eighties. And I remember a guy coming in to try, we were, it was a small little shop and he came in and he put, picked a bunch of, uh, you know, he was a strapping man and uh, picked a few outfits, and went back to try them on. And I went back to ask if I could help him. <laughs> okay. You know, as you do. And, and uh, he said, I hope I'm not upsetting you, but this is the only way I get to buy clothes. And I think, wow, well, at least, you know, that we have online shopping now but there was a time where if you didn't fit the mold in any way you had nowhere yeah. to go you lived uh you lived life is shame it's
0: crazy to me that like even i was um i was in europe this summer i was in italy and they lost my luggage and i'm i'm like an extra large so like i can still shop at like you know h&m i was in sweden h&m in sweden but like they don't go above the next floor. And I was just thinking that, like, if you were plus size and you lost your baggage, like, you have two days and you need clothes. Where are you going to get your clothes? Like, the access to it, like, you have to wait for it to arrive to your hotel. And I was just thinking that, like, that's a very scary thing. If, like, you can't and you can say a whole vacation. And, like, this is such a small example, but it's just, like, the access to it is is wild. The Women of Ill Repute.
2: Kelly, I'd like to tell you that it's a small example, but Wendy and I just came back from a trip where where my sister in law lost her luggage. I mean, it's it happens all the time now. So just that that's just a good example of how how such a large swath of people are not catered to uh, internationally. So you're changing all that. But the bottom line about fashion about clothes is we have to look good and you you're, I mean, I'm looking at what you're wearing right now, which I can't, which is, I think is a floral a blazer. blazer. You have a whole suit in that, that your, your, your materials are lush and vibrant and law, you know, not, not a lot of Navy blue in your, your collection.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we're trying to create things that are like a little bit more interesting. We're kind of heavily just like dopamine dressing, like bringing joy to your wardrobe. You know, if you want to buy a black sweater, there's a million places you can go buy a black sweater. So, uh, we're trying to create, like use a lot of print and pattern play and create these kind of unique pieces in your wardrobe um, and not create, we do a couple of basics, but really we're trying to kind of like do interesting details and interesting styles and designs.
2: Wendy wants to Barbie, I know you do. So. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: all about Barbie. So, so Maureen, Maureen grew up with Barbies, and you know, my mother was not into Barbie, and I wasn't into dolls, and wasn't really given the option of being into <laughs> dolls. And we, I saw the Barbie movie late, so I kind of knew the whole thing. And by the time I, I was just anyway, so you did a collection, and and you, I think you said you have a fond nostalgia for her. Like I don't see Barbie as a feminist icon, but you perhaps do uh, Maureen does so I am just wondering about how how, like how that went over like why you decided to do a a pink thing because you know she's she's controversial like she's her waist is like it's completely like for, for for you in particular who's into like plus size people uh and designing clothes for plus size people uh that's not Barbie like there's the curvy doll or whatever, but that didn't sell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we we did, uh, We did. got approached by Barbie to do a collaboration with them a year before uh, that. Our, we actually launched the pup, So it was in August. Um, and yes, Barbie has some problematic history. Uh, I would say anyone kind of knows that in terms of like unrealistic beauty standards and um, body image and stuff. I would say they're making a huge effort to kind of, become accessible and more visibility and show more body types, skin colors, um, occupations, and they're trying to really kind of push into kind of female empowerment and you know, this idea that you can be whatever you want. And so we like that and that kind of aligns with our brand and what we kind of push towards. So, you know, we're here for like the new Barbie and where they're trying to, to kind of take in terms of representation. And so that's kind of where our brands aligned is kind of the, this new era of Barbie. If that makes any sense.
1: Well, except we've been hearing about the new era of Barbie for, I mean, Barbie's older than me and I've been hearing about the new era forever. Sorry. I'll let Maureen get in here with
2: Barbie. So uh, I, it, I think the movie, I think Greta Gerwig and Noah Birnbaum's vision of Barbie really changed because I'm not going to go on too long about that because we're here more to talk about um Hillary. <laughs> but the movie was based in a, where Barbie ruled. This was a female empowered world and it was the Kens that were were subjugated. And whenever that happens there's going to every action demands a reaction and of course the Kens bring the um they, they visit can the, visits the real world and brings back these ideas that man actually should be in charge and so that's really what that Barbie is about and then it's not perfect when either when it, when one group can rule another group so and I think Barbie herself is played by Margot Robbie came to realize that her world was artificial so maybe I'm overreading I don't think I am but I think there has been I think that this movie and this Collaboration that Hillary did is actually more in keeping with a, a, a greater awareness of femininity and feminism than the traditional Barbie embodied. Now I'm going to get off my soapbox now. And-
1: <laughs> so are you? You are obviously a feminist, Hillary. Like, yeah. Are do you have new uh, slogans coming out on on uh, on
0: jackets or t-shirts or whatever? We have no plans to. We did that for a couple of years. We have retired. And right now, we've retired that kind of jacket and the sayings on them. But you know, that was really born out of I went to the Women's March in Washington, and that was really kind of born out of being there and that experience. I also think that everyone's idea of feminism is a little bit different. So, you know, my definition is obviously going to be different than everyone else's definition. And so, um, I think that's important when like we're having conversations about it to keep that in mind. Is that like everyone's view is different, but we all need to be here to like work together and support each other. I think at the root of it, that's what it really is.
1: Yeah. I'm tired of being told, Oh, you're third wave or You're whatever wave I am. Like, aren't we all just, you know, we're, we, we either believe in feminism or we don't period. So um, yeah, we're here to support each other or not. Yeah. And we're here to support each other and we're here to learn. We're always here to learn. So go ahead, Maureen. Sorry. What is
2: it like being a Canadian designer? I mean, your clothes are available anywhere, but it's, we're not known for we're you know we're not like the Italians or the French or the Americans so so do you feel that you're in a bit of an underdog position uh, on the international fashion scene?
0: I don't really think about it like in terms of like the international fashion scene because we're not like trying to be in Milan or like be in you know Paris and show at these you know international runway shows. Uh, I do think the disadvantage. To being a Canadian designer is like access to the United States. Like, well, obviously we're closer, but like duties, taxes, and all like the minutia of running a business, I think there is a bit of a a downside in terms of that. And then like access to funding and all these great organizations that the US has for fashion designers that Canada doesn't have. But I always kind of give the analogy in the United States, when you're a designer, you're kind of like it's a big pond and you're a tiny fish, whereas in Canada, it's kind of a smaller pond and you're a bigger fish. So you're able to kind of create a name a little bit quicker, I would say, in Canada than maybe you would be in these larger countries. So that's a huge advantage. Our community is small, but we're all very supportive of each other for the most part. So that's a big plus to being a Canadian designer. But there is kind of this like theory that if you don't leave Canada, you can't you're not cool till you leave Canada and then come back. And I kind of think that's all a little bit of crap, but there is that kind of like mindset in people's minds. But Canada's cool. Aren't we
2: cool now? <laughs> I think so.
0: <laughs> no. I mean, we're cold, but we're cool.
1: <laughs> so what is cool now? Like I, I'm seeing the leopard print come back and I'm like, no, I, I've, I've just seen so many versions of that. Uh, I, I've, Probably had what I considered to be an ironic version of a leopard print, but is is it back? I I guess that's two questions: are is leopard print back, and what are the trends?
0: Leopard print is back. There are so many trends now. Like, there's so many micro trends. There's so many like colorways that are in style. Like, we do a lot of like trend forecasting for future years, and like the amount of things you can tap into is insane. I always say that like I think we're moving away from trends, and we're kind of going into more like. Style, so I think you need to develop your own personal style and things that work for you. Um, and it's not so much a trends anymore, but just like mood and style. So that's where I'm kind of advocating for people to go in terms of building up their wardrobe is kind of feel what works for you, what color combinations work, and then try and build things around that. And then when you buy new pieces, make sure you can get like three different outfits and you, you existing in your wardrobe. Like try and buy a piece and be like, how can I style this three completely different ways um, before you purchase it.
2: That's, that's a good tip. I also, I have friends with a stylist who said, whatever you buy, you have to wear within three weeks, unless it's like a very specific outfit, like a wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you get married with every three weeks before. Week. incorporate <laughs> <laughs> into your wardrobe, the, uh, you know, on an e- uh, in an easy way and on a regular basis. Um, but okay. Before we wrap up and we still have a little bit of time left, so yeah, this idea of older dressing and d- being age appropriate and, and, you know, I walk in, I'll walk into a shop now. I was shopping with a friend of mine who was visiting and, you know, immediately look around and go, oh, this is not for us because it's filled with, you know, teenagers and, um, and the clothes are all transparent, by the way, that, <laughs> I'm not dressed, not wearing clothes, Do you know, what? I'm- these mesh dresses with no foundation garments for lack I find really daunting. But that seems to be out there. Anyway, I guess my question is what is there such a thing as age appropriate dressing? And and they honestly, is there? I mean I know you can wear
0: whatever you want, but really, can you? I think so. I think it's all about what you pair it with. So like you're gonna do a mesh dress and you're a little bit older, maybe put on like a slip underneath it if that makes you feel more comfortable. I grew up with a mother who's very artsy and she doesn't believe in like anything in terms of like, you can, you can wear whatever you want. And she's always been kind of like a little bit outside the box. So I'm a huge proponent of wear you know, anything you want at any time. um, As long as you feel good and comfortable in it. But you know, there's a reality to anything. If you don't feel like you want to wear a short skirt, don't. But I don't know. I don't think that there's so much, you know, age appropriate stuff.
1: We were raised with so much crap, you know. It's uh, I, I saw a picture of Katie Couric, who was like the perky young anchor, uh, which uh, and she's in her sixties now. And there was a photo of her, and she looked great. And then there was a, a close-up of her hand, and I thought, oh, she's old. Like, hide your like. What the hell is that? Like, it's so ridiculous. And this whole lamb is mutton idea. Like, don't wear this or don't wear that. And yet, we have all this stuff in our heads because we were raised thinking that you know, if your skirt is too tight or if you show a wrinkle or if you, or whatever. So how, if you could get rid of all that, that would be great.
2: Ridiculous, Oh, well, we're shamed. Um, again, we were in Italy. Wendy, I think this was, I think you were with us and there were, we went. not no, you had left. And there was a woman, she's probably in her seventies, deeply tanned. She had this store that had absolutely gorgeous, ridiculously expensive clothes. She had massive breasts and she were, was wearing a caftan and no, no bra and you know she had her whole anywhere else you would have thought oh my god what's she thinking but she was felt very comfortable in her own skin and and kind of looked not the way i would want to look but looked sexy in her own way and uh you would not see that in this country i i I can't imagine where
0: you would just as women we like put so many like things on ourselves always like these like rules and like how we should dress and these like toxic traits that we have. And I just think that like, it's so not necessary. And like, it's so, you know, if you feel comfortable not wearing a bra on a huge captain, like go for it. Like, that's awesome.
2: But it's women who will be critical far more so than men.
0: Oh yeah. Women on other women. Like you talk about feminism, and all this stuff. It's like, we need to stop judging each other and just like, you know, let people live and do what they want to do. And just be like, you know, it's 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 a shame because I feel like, from a young age, we're kind of taught to be pitted against each other. And it's like, you know, it just shouldn't be that way. Along the lines
1: of being old. Um, I have another question. So you're big into colors, like you're you've all kinds of patterns and it's great. It's they're not a lot of Navy blue as, uh, as Maureen says, um, but I, I'm having a flashback to my mom. Like she had no money, and she wasn't exactly a fashionista, but she uh, she thought that there was uh, they were sold this idea of you're a spring or you're a fall. Like, yeah. her, do you, you remember <laughs> that? I remember that. I, I don't think I ever did that, except everyone says you're a you're a certain something. You're a summer or you're a whatever. So, are colors a thing? Like, are they are are they back? Should we pay more attention?
0: I know. Uh, in short, like, I don't think so. I think that everyone can wear every single color. Obviously, if you think that like your skin colors will work with yellow, you're probably going to shy away from that. But um, no, I think that like these old archaic rules are gone. This whole like no way after Labor Day or don't put brown and black together or like all these things that no longer that do exist still do it shouldn't exist anymore. Like this whole like don't mix silver and gold. I just think that like it's just, it, it, fashion's all about like mixing and matching and color play and pattern play and um, being a little bit creative. So, yeah, I think wear anything that you want, like throw out these old rules and just kind of play in your wardrobe a little bit more.
1: So, my white pants, I shouldn't put my white pants away. I know they're not in style. My daughter goes, What are you doing wearing those white pants? But but I can wear them in October if I want to or November, you- or
0: November. Yeah, whatever, I
2: want. whatever you want. <laughs> That's the bottom line. <laughs>
0: winter white is a big trend. So, you know, it's a huge trend in the winter.
2: Yeah. Also, I was reading, what's it called? The quiet elegance, the secret rich look. Yeah. Uh, yeah wearing all white all the time because you're rich and you can afford to have everything dry cleaned. And, so, right.
0: Yeah. No spills. <laughs> no spills. <laughs> People are feeding your food, so it's no problem. <laughs> or you a bib. That's
2: yeah, what i Passionable <laughs> yeah, fashionable. I love reading about it, too. And I love the whole political. Uh, and I remember when stockings went out of style, right? Hosiery, pantyhose, because it doesn't matter how cold it is. You, the implication is that you you you're not outside. You've got your driver picking you up. So why would you wear stockings? Anyway,
1: I don't have a driver. I don't have a driver. I got to get a driver. Hillary. we we got to wrap up in a second, but it's lovely to speak to you. And obviously, Maureen and I want you to do a... Capsule. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, that too. Yeah, it's, it's lovely. So we're wishing you all the best.
0: And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. Usually people don't hit me with any hard-hitting questions. So I appreciate that. It's all usually fluff, <laughs> fluff, fluff. So it was refreshing. <laughs> So what (laughs) should we wear? (laughs) Thank you so
1: much. Bye. So do I have to get a leopard print? No, no,
2: no. In fact, in fact, my son told me about 10 years ago, my older son, don't ever wear any animal prints. It's too cliche for women of a certain age. It's that. Don't know, wear but it.
1: That's not ageist things, you know. Like I, I was going to make a joke about walking in backwards to the store because of the my back looks great, Um <laughs> <laughs> but it's not appropriate, Maureen. We have to be, you know, ageism. It's the yeah, same right, with plus sizes. We right. gotta get over all that.
2: I also remember another friend of mine. Her son told her it was time for her to put her boobs away. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, it's, it's just get a better bra or not. Like be like, not. like that lady in the caftan that, yeah, uh, that you saw. Exactly, yeah,
2: exactly. There's nothing sexier or more attractive than self confidence. You know, unless
1: a good posture says your mother. A good yeah.
2: posture. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. So I was going to say, what do you like? To, I have a I have a wedding coming up. It's a it's a formal wedding and it's Christmas time kind of thing, and I'm wearing shorts. <laughs>
1: Ooh. Yeah. Well, you got legs. I hated what you once said to me. Yeah. Well, legs are the last to go. I'm sorry, but they were the first to go with me. So I'm never wearing shorts, but I'll I'll wear something this backless.
2: As someone who's seen you in a bathing suit quite often, you haven't lost anything. So just shut up.
1: Okay. Um, just don't look too closely. Get some new glasses or whatever the line is. Now we're all we're all like we're all going to endorse the the Hillary message, which is like just go for it. Like just be yourself. Um but I but it's funny that she uh is so into colors. But she's not yeah. into fall, spring or whatever. I, yeah. I don't even know what I am. Do you know what you are? I'm a summer. Oh, you're a summer. <laughs> But apparently that.
2: that. It's another one of my mother's stories, but for my birthday, she gave me, she took me to colors and had my colors done because she, she had her little wallet or she was a spring and it turns out I was the summer. And then we were having an argument as we so often did. And I remember she said to me, you are bold, you are manipulative and you refuse to wear your colors.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So which did she hate the most?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess all are true. <laughs> anyway, lovely to see
2: you.
1: Mm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Women of Ill Repute was written and produced by Maureen Holloway and Wendy Mesley, with the help from the team at the Sound Off Media Company and producer Yet Belgraver. <laughs>